I don't know how to respond right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I, I honestly, uh, I didn't even think about this. Best Christmas gift I've ever received. Uh, oh, yeah, easy. Nerf bow and arrow gun in the 1990s. It was amazing. Hey, everybody, welcome to Sank. If we've never met before, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor of this here community. And this, as we have already said, is the last Sank of the year. Really appreciate you guys keeping that sad face up for like five minutes. Um, but uh, this is also the closest thing we have to our Christmas service. And I just thought it was really cool. Uh, I, I was surprised Mark even did this. But we have a gift for you tonight. If you look under your chairs, Mark has donated his car. So someone's going to get some free keys. <laughs> some of you guys are actually doing it. I uh, know. No gifts. No gifts. Just Merry Christmas. Just Merry Christmas. Uh, well, we are doing this series we're calling He Shall Be Called, and it's from a prophecy that was written about Jesus and the coming of the Messiah and in the midst of Christmas chaos. Uh, we want to take a moment, and we want to think about what Christmas is actually about. And so this series comes from this verse. Let's go ahead and read it together from Isaiah 9, 6. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says, uh, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We talked about that last week. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And tonight, we're going to talk about this phrase that was given to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Does anybody need a fresh word about peace tonight? Yeah. Is anybody here familiar with conflict? Stress, tension, anxiety. Just me, right? Just me. Uh, so I, not a big secret about me. I hate conflict. I hate conflict. I understand conflict can be good. I've tried to get better at it because I understand it can be uh, a good thing, but I've hated it since I was a kid. Uh, it started, I think, around junior high, okay? It was Valentine's Day, Valentine's week, and a girl asked me out, okay? I said yes, so it was official. We were going out, and of course, with junior high, you don't actually go anywhere. It's just a label that you have created for each other. And uh, she bought me this big, intricate gift of flowers and balloons that Valentine's week. I bought her a little dish of Hershey Kisses. <laughs> uh, so the relationship was doomed from the beginning. And my friends were telling me that I needed to kiss her or hold her hand because it was Valentine's, okay? Like most sixth grade boys, I was petrified of girls. <laughs> really scary. Uh, so we get to our school assembly, and she's sitting in front of me, and I decide to go for it, okay? <laughs> and I went for it. I reached out my arm, and I patted her on the shoulder. <laughs> it was intense. Uh, it's like one thirty-second of the way to first base. Uh, but as I'm patting her on the shoulder, uh, expressing intimacy to her, uh, there is a, another junior high boy that's down the way, and he's glaring at me in anger. And uh, you may, if, if you were here at our dating series, I told you another story about a boy that wanted to beat me up over a girl. This is a different story. This is the second time this happened. Uh, I don't know if I just have a punchable face or something. Uh, but so rumors started spreading around the junior high that this boy, let's call him Bob, uh, Bob wanted to beat me up 
and he, he was going to fight me at lunchtime. So uh, a couple hours went by, and then the rumor even progressed further. Bob had brought a knife to school, and we're going to move the fight from lunch to after school, off school premises, because he had a knife for me. And you might be thinking, that's a little extreme. Uh, my school was a little different than most schools. Uh, one time, I remember at a basketball game, a kid chased another kid with a baseball bat through the stands. Another time, I remember one of my buddies brought a handgun and a backpack to school. Another time, after school, one of the kids uh, beat another kid with a chain. Uh, so a knife was sort of par for the course at my school. Okay, so uh, s people were asking me, like, are you, like, I hear you're going to fight after school. And I'm like, not if I can help it. I'm not. Uh, two things, two things happened in this conflict. Uh, first, there were the external effects. You know, I couldn't focus on my classes. I wondered if I should tell a teacher. Should I get some friends to help me? Should I prepare to fight? Externally, things were chaotic, right? But then there's something else that was happening uh, internally. The effects of this conflict uh, inside my stomach was sour and sick. Uh, my neck was tense and hot. Uh, my heart was beating fast. I couldn't breathe. I was breathing like shallow and erratic. And today, I want to talk about these two realities. We've got an external conflict, chaos, but then there's an internal thing that's happening as well. And so to finish my score, uh, story, school ended, and I get to the park. And as soon as I arrive, Bob is laughing. And he comes up to me, and he's like, I was just joking. I don't like that girl. I was just joking. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. Real funny, man. You're lunatic, lunatic. Uh, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I'm positive that he's spending the rest of his life in jail right now somewhere. Good old Bob. Uh, conflict and chaos are a part of our lives. And you could make the argument that conflict and chaos uh, are, are a part of our life more than ever. There's the external chaotic circumstances of our world, and then there's the internal chaos of stress and anxiety. Uh, first, there's external. Maybe you're, you're dealing with this, uh, a divisive world, uh, an over-politicized world. Have you noticed that everybody has a hot take now? Uh, whether it's news or sports, everybody is angry about something. Uh, there are shootings at events like the Gilroy Festival. There's shootings at schools. Uh, there are, uh, there's racial injustice. There's impeaching presidents. Every morning is a new story. And along with that, there's the constant noise and buzz of our technology. Uh, and then there's the endless striving for more to achieve more. Am I the only one feeling any of this? Anybody in the last year said the phrase, what is going on here? <laughs> or maybe you said the phrase, people are crazy. Um, so there's the external. But then there's the internal. Uh, I don't need to quote any study or stats for you to know the prevalence of anxiety in our culture. The prevalence of anxiety in this very room. The pressures of work and relationships, our economy, society... Uh, we are stressed, we are tense, uh, we are restless. It's hard for us to sit still, to breathe, to slow down. 
I'm confident, confident saying tonight, we need peace. Our world needs peace. And you need peace. I need peace. Our world and our souls, both pieces, need peace. This is the message we all need to hear. Whatever you walked into this room with, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, uh, whatever's going on, uh, we need to hear this message of peace. Now, the Israelites in the Bible were no different than us. Uh, They were facing a lot of chaos and conflict. They were surrounded by it. And the prophet that we read from earlier uh, predicted a day of hope that would come. Uh, Back to our verse, the prophet says this, he will be called Prince of Peace. I'm going to break down that phrase real quick. Uh, In Hebrew, that phrase would be Sar Shalom. Everybody say Sar Shalom. Let's try it again. Everybody say Sar Shalom. Yeah. I'm really fighting back the urge to do a dad joke right now. Do you guys want to hear it? Okay. I feel like Sar Shalom could be like a pirate name, like Sar Shalom. Okay. I got three kids. It's okay. I can say that. I can say that. Uh, Thank you. Prince of Peace. This is interesting. Like maybe you're thinking, Prince, I thought Jesus was like the king of kings. The word Sar in Hebrew means like ruler or authority. So he's the ruler of peace, the authority of peace. And then peace in Hebrew, my all-time favorite word in all the Bible, shalom. I love this word, shalom. Shalom is great because usually we think of peace as the absence of conflict. Shalom is so much deeper and bigger than just the absence of conflict. Shalom speaks to wholeness, fullness, completion. Uh, we see Shalom at the beginning of uh, creation. We see in the, uh, at the, in the Old Testament, God creates everything, and it was good. Everything was in its right place. Uh, I brought this castle. I'm sure you guys were wondering what's going on with this. Uh, I had my five-year-old help me build this. We do blocks a lot as a kid, and this is like perfectly constructed by my five-year-old. Everything is in its right place. At the beginning of creation, in the Garden of Eden, there was no chaos, no conflict, no disease, no pain. There was harmony and goodness. Uh, I love what this theologian says. I think we had it up there a second ago, but he says this, Shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation, and justice, fulfillment, and delight. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. I love that. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The full flourishing of human life in all aspects as God intended it to be. This is the way it was supposed to be complete, whole, in harmony. But the creation story, as you guys know, sin and brokenness enter the story, and they collapse all of these shalom, right? Yeah, I know. Don't tell my daughter that I did that. (laughs) There was once fullness. There was shalom. Sin enters the world, and we have the opposite 
of shalom. We have brokenness, incompletion. The world was now broken. It's uh, a pretty good drawing, right? Thanks. <laughs> Those will be on sale in the lobby if you want some. <laughs> and we see this throughout the Israelite story. Uh, they remember that once there was shalom, so they try and they hope to restore uh, the world back to this shalom. First, they try out these judges. Uh, they think these judges can maybe restore uh, them from chaos, and it doesn't work. And then they try kings. Uh, they tried Saul and David and Solomon, thinking a human king could make this restoration possible, and it doesn't work. And that's when we get to the prophecies. The prophets start telling everybody there's one day going to be a king that will restore the world. He'll bring things back to how they're supposed to be. And thousands of, year, thousands of years later, Jesus came. And everyone expected him to be this king who would come and bring external shalom. Uh, but Jesus was not what everybody expected. Jesus talked about an internal brokenness. He talked about uh, an internal incompletion. See, in the beginning, uh, shalom in the creation story was not broken, only broken externally, uh, but in the souls of humanity. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. It's not just the world that lost shalom. It was us internally, our souls, our hearts. And Jesus comes and he says, I came to give life to the full. What's the opposite of full? It's empty, incomplete. Uh, I had a fishing and skiing boat uh, when I was a kid. And I'd go out with my dad a lot and we'd go fishing. And we sort of had like a checklist, a process that we'd go through to get the boat on the water. And one time we went fishing and uh, something different happened. I was fishing and I looked over at my dad, and I was like, Dad, my feet are wet. And he was like, oh, that's weird. Let's just keep fishing. <laughs> uh, and uh, a little while later, I was like, Dad, my feet and my, my ankles are wet. There's a lot of water in the boat. He's like, oh, that's weird. And we sort of mentally went through our process again, and we're like, now who put the, the drain plug in the, in the drain hole? I was like, huh, I, don't, I didn't do that. Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. So we had left open the hole in our boat. And slowly, slowly, the water started rising and rising in our boat. And we're just giggling as we try to take the boat uh, back. Uh, yeah, I know. It was a funny, funny moment. Uh, but we were incomplete. We forgot our process. Uh, we were draining. Uh, this is the reality of our souls. I don't know if you ever feel like this. An incompletion, a draining, uh, a lack of fullness. Jesus came to restore and bring this fullness. In Colossians 1, 19, we see this. For in him, all the fullness, there that, there's that word again, fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. By his death and resurrection, he reconciles us to God. Our souls. He creates shalom and fullness, completion within us. He wants our souls to be in harmony with God. He wants us to experience the fullness of God's love 
for us. He wants to restore that. I drew a heart on it to make it really <laughs> cute. Because I, I have a five-year-old daughter. I can do that. I can say that. Uh, here's the deal. Most Christians stop after the cross and resurrection piece, right? Uh, yeah, he died and rose again from my brokenness. I believe that. I prayed a prayer when I was little. Now I'm good. Uh, I'm a Christian. I'm good to go. I received his grace, and now I'm on the way. I prayed this prayer. I'm good. In reality, this is, this is only the beginning of our journey. Uh, see, Jesus uh, wants to restore us uh, completely and fully. There's this phrase, spiritual formation. You'll hear us talk about a lot at our church Jesus wants to form you. He wants to build you into his likeness. What do you think are the chances I'm going to find all the pieces of this? Ten? Ten percent chance? Okay. Uh, Jesus wants to form you. He wants you to become like him internally, uh, to be complete and whole, to have deep Shalom. And the thing is, this doesn't happen uh, right away. A lot of times as Christians, we want immediate transformation. Uh, I sign the thing, shouldn't I be complete and full of shalom? Uh, but it takes brick by brick, step by step. One of my favorite authors uh, is a lady named Anne Lamont. Oop. And Anne Lamont tells a story about her little brother when they were kids. And he came home and he had a project at school uh, where he had to label all the species of the birds, of all birds. And so he came to uh, their dad and he was like, how can I do this? This is daunting. And I love this. His dad uh, says to him, you take it bird by bird. You go bird by bird. You don't fast forward to the end. You go bird by bird. How many of us uh, want uh, to immediately be formed and completed without realizing it takes piece by piece, spiritual practice by spiritual practice? It takes morning prayer after morning prayer. It takes a weekly Sabbath after weekly Sabbath. Every piece, every brick, every moment uh, of time with God building back, and Jesus starts restoring us to completion, to fullness. He forms us into his character. Now, the other piece of this is we build back up. We have to build on a firm foundation. Uh, this is not actually a firm foundation, but just go with me here. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, one of my favorite stories about him, he and the disciples were on a boat, and they get into this storm, and it's uh, terrifying, life-threatening. The disciples are uh, uh, petrified. And so they go uh, to the bottom of the boat to find Jesus in the middle of this storm. And what was he doing? He's taking a nap. He was sleeping. So they uh, wake him up. And I love this visual image of Jesus with bed hair. And he gets up. He's probably a little annoyed. And it's just crazy outside winds, storm, lightning, thunder, and Jesus says to the storm, be still. And then he talks to the disciples, and he says, ye of little faith, didn't you know I was right there the whole time? Now, the thing I love most about this story is in the middle of the storm, Jesus 
was napping. How does he do this? Jesus was calm and rested in the middle of a storm. His foundation was so firm and his loving father, he had so much harmony and trust in God, he could be at peace in the middle of the storm. He was confident enough in God's power, he could be at peace. Dallas Willard is uh, one of our favorite theologians uh, here at our church. And one time, uh, someone asked Dallas, what is one word that you would use to describe Jesus? And Dallas was a a professor of philosophy, had studied uh, theology for years, had written tons of books. So uh, this guy was thinking he would come up with some huge theological phrase or something real intense. And Dallas said this word. This is the one word Dallas said uh, describes Jesus. Relaxed. 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 In the middle of abuse and pressures and rejection, Jesus was calm. He was present. He was centered. He was relaxed. Full of shalom. And when I heard this story, I I don't know about you, it it inspired me so much. I love this vision of Jesus and this vision of me, the vision of us uh, being relaxed. Can you imagine this? In the middle of work stresses and deadlines, relational conflict, financial problems, not reacting with stress, tension, and anger, but breathing. Calm, loose, present. Is that what you think of when you think of followers of Jesus? Relaxed, relaxed. Scripture talks about how a wise person builds their life, their house, on a foundation of a rock. And when the storms come, the wind blows, the the house, the life remains intact, steady, centered. And the foolish person builds their house on the sand. When the storms come, the waves blow, uh, life falls apart. The house falls apart. In our culture, we tend to build our lives on three, three things that end up being like sand. The first thing we tend to build our foundation on is uh, what I do. We build our life on the things that I do, my career, my success, my achievements, um, These things will never fulfill us. At some point, we'll lose our job. At some point, uh, we will fail. This foundation isn't lasting. And then the second one is we build our foundation on what people say, our status, our reputation, our popularity. These are fleeting things. People like us one day, they'll hate us the next day. And then we tend to build our foundation on what I have my possessions, my relationships, my family, my titles. And these, Jesus said, are like rust. They fade away. They're perishing. See, internal peace, internal shalom comes from building your life on the love, the virtue, the trust, the power, the hope of Jesus, the prince of peace, the Sar shalom. I don't know about you, I'm desperate for this. I think our world is desperate for us to be non-anxious people, confident in God's goodness, trusting 
and his love relaxed and peaceful. Now here's the deal. Uh, we don't stop there, right? Jesus uh, makes us complete and he builds uh, shalom in us over time, but he doesn't build that shalom just so we can go on a beach and chill out and <laughs> be relaxed. He does this so we can make the world whole. He creates peace within us so we can bring peace to others. We can restore this world. Uh, just this week, uh, Mark and myself and David, we were serving with some other staff members at an ecumenical hunger program, which is a food bank over in East Palo Alto. And uh, we, at one, it got really messy for a while. We were knee-deep in some compost. It was really gross. Uh, but at one point, I met this man. His name was uh, Chris. And Chris is from another church. And Chris has been serving now at this food bank uh, two to three times a week for years. And I was talking to Chris, hearing his story. And uh, Chris saw this man walk up. And this man, you could just tell, was in a really hard place. Uh, he had uh, just soiled himself, uh, really uh, stunk pretty bad. And Chris said, just give me a second. I'm going to take him, and we're going to go inside. We're going to get him cleaned up, and we're going to get him some new clothes. And so Chris went in, and uh, he came out later. He's like, okay, we'll get him some new clothes, and I think he's, he's good to go. At that point, I asked Chris, I was like, hey, man, why do you keep doing this? Why do you come back week after week and do these kind of things? And he said, you know, I love being able to give people food and clothing. That's great. But here's what I love. And he said this phrase, I love helping restore the dignity to people. I love to restore their humanity. As he said that, I thought, he's bringing shalom. He's helping to restore fullness in people that have been beaten down time and time again. He's working with Jesus to restore completeness in people. See, the ruler of peace wants to bring us peace so that we can spread his shalom to others, to help others enter this kingdom. True peace is taking what's broken and restoring it back to wholeness. And sometimes it can, this can be bigger things like serving the poor. Uh, but oftentimes this is much simpler. We're about to enter into Christmas craziness. You're going to go to some family situations, which I could probably guess are pretty crazy. Uh, what would it look like if you were a non-anxious presence? What would it look like if you engaged uh, in social media or uh, with your coworkers in a way that was relaxed and centered in shalom? What if you approached your life uh, abandoning the noise of our world and you take times to rest, to take times of solitude? What would it look like to uh, rebel against the consumerism of our culture? How can you be a restorer of shalom to this world? God wants to partner with you in that. So I would invite you to close your eyes with me. And we're going to be singing a song here in a second that talks of ascending. A song of ascent, which 
Some of the Psalms in the Old Testament are called Songs of Ascent. And another word in scripture for ascent is pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a journey. And I want to give you just some moments before we sing this song uh, to think about your journey into completion, your journey to shalom and fullness with Jesus. give you some moments to breathe uh, with Jesus, to evaluate your level of peace, to evaluate your tension, your conflict within you, and the conflict around you. So I want to give you one minute. I uh, just want to give you space to be with God. trust in ourselves because we trust in you. You're our foundation. We trust in your goodness that we can be relaxed. We know you're sovereign. We know you're watching over us. So we can breathe deeply. We can let go of the things we're gripping and we can trust in you. Now as we enter into this time, I ask that you would help us to take these moments of space can engage with you. We remember these are not just songs that we're singing. These are moments to pray to you. Uh, these are moments to work out things with the God of the universe, God Emmanuel, who is here with us. So we give you the rest of this time. We ask you to teach us to strive for shalom in every circumstance. We give you this uh, the rest of this time to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 